Uh, if you are new to us, maybe you're checking us out on this live stream. What we're doing is going through this series called Fear Not. And it's a phrase that comes up quite a bit in the Christmas story, actually. And uh, a phrase I think we need to get a hold of, especially these days. You know, there is a lot of fear these days, a, a lot of fear actually that manifests itself in anger, I think. You, you would not believe, maybe you would, the kind of um, anger that has come out on social media about this series. Uh, comments like, how dare you talk about fear during Christmas? I am just talking about a theme that comes up again and again in the Christmas story. And, and, and maybe if you just allow me to play amateur psychologist for a moment, I'm theorizing that some of that fear, either those who are the agoraphobics who you know, are afraid to leave the house, or on the other extreme, you know, the anti-maskers who don't even believe COVID is a thing, could it be... I'm just theorizing that, that maybe there's a deep-seated fear there about an existential issue, the, the fear of an afterlife, the fear of an unknown afterlife. It's basically the fear of, where do I stand with God? Where do I stand with you, Lord? And for those of you who do believe in God or, or you believe that there's more to life than this, uh, a lot of times, maybe in a quiet, vulnerable moment, people are really asking, what's really going to happen when I die? Um, where do I stand with God? You know, this prayer that you were probably taught as a child uh, didn't help. Now I lay me down to sleep. Okay, so far so good. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Not sure what that means, but Okay. If I should die before I wake, what? I'm six. I pray the Lord my soul to take. Good night, Johnny. Sweet dreams. <laughs> sure, Mom. I don't think that Metallica song helped either, right? Now, thankfully, I have matured in my faith. The Holy Spirit gives us confidence and security about our future. Um, even a future after death. But there are a lot of Christians, actually, who are living in a fear of if they should die before they wake, they're not sure if their soul the Lord would take. And some people fall asleep praying something like, God, please, you know, don't send me to hell. And that's not the way a spirit-filled Christian should be living. So today, let's look at another fear not angel story. And I believe this could speak to some in a way today that could be just a game changer when it comes to your standing with God. So um, if you got your Bible or we'll put this on your screen, let's look at Luke chapter two. We'll read verses eight through 11. Here's what it says. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, say with me at home, fear not. Now that's what the King James Version says, fear not. Your translation may say, do not be afraid. I bring you what? I bring you good 
news. The word gospel actually just means good news. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, so what's this good news? A Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Knack, people who are joining us watching, today I bring you good news, okay? Fear not, because a Savior has been born. I find this really interesting part of the story is who the angels decided to appear to. And this is part, I think, of what makes it good news. Now, did you know back in the time that Jesus lived, uh, when a family would give birth to a child, it was common if they had um, the financial means to do so, they would hire a a herald, okay, H-E-R-A-L-D, herald. That would be a person who would go out to the streets announce the birth, herald the birth of their child. Well, sort of like Chris did this morning for a little, was it Donald Kellington? Um, Especially if a a family of means had a a firstborn son, they would really make a big deal about it because to them, this was a symbol of God's blessing and that their family name would continue. And so they would hire a herald, to announce the good news that the the child was born. Well, that's what God does here. God sends an angel to herald or to announce this good news. Hark, the herald angel sings, right? But what's really interesting to me is who God sends the angel to. Now, think about it. If the son of God is being born on earth, who do you think God would choose to announce that to? From just a logical, practical mindset, I would think he'd want to go to royalty or to the famous or the powerful or, or even just how about the religious leaders of that day? Isn't that who you'd want to announce it to? Instead, God sends the angels to make the heralded announcement to some Shepherds, And you think, well, sure. Yeah, of course, because my nativity scene has shepherds. Who else would he choose? But what you may not know or understand is that shepherds were some of the most disrespected, despised even groups of people around back in the day. The job of a shepherd was so low that if a father had to tend sheep, he'd always give it to the youngest son. You know, it, it was... There was a pecking order, and the the runt had to be the shepherd. And more often, it was actually a job reserved for slaves because shepherds were uneducated. They they don't have means of advancement in their career. In fact, according to the religious system of that day, shepherds were rejected. The religious leaders taught that shepherds were not good enough for God, um, that they could not, in fact, be made right with God. Um, uh, they just couldn't live up to the, the religious rules of that day. I mean, talk about a group who must have lived in fear of where they stood with God. Uh, talk about a group who would have felt very unworthy. They were outcasts in Israel. And one of the reasons is because they were nomads, right? They, they were Wanderers. It was part of the job. It, their job took them on the road, sort of like a, 
a trucker today, right? Maybe on the road for 10 days at a time before coming home. And a shepherd might be on the road for weeks, months. Therefore, they couldn't go back to the temple and be declared ceremonially clean. In other, in other words, they're not right with God because their job duties uh, kept them from being at the temple at a certain day. Um, now, who do shepherds hang out with? Dumb question. They hung out with sheep. How do you think they smelled? Dumber question. Not good. Not good. And so they were physically dirty, but I think even more damaging to their soul. Uh, religious people considered them spiritually dirty. So much so that a religious person would not even touch a shepherd because if their body touched a shepherd, then they would be considered spiritually unclean as well. Now, in the middle of COVID, we are not touching many people in our lives, which I think is taking a certain emotional toll on people. But imagine not being touched, not because of some germ, some virus, or dirty fingernails, but because people felt you were fundamentally, inherently, spiritually unclean, and they don't want to get any of that spiritual stank on them. And, and so you can only imagine how unworthy this group of, of people would have felt. And the reality is that some of you listening today feel that way. You feel like you're faking it when you walk into church. You're thinking, um, how could God love someone who's done what I've done? And you look around at everybody else, especially at Christmas time, and they all look so Christmassy and holy and Instagrammable. And you're thinking to yourself, you know, I had thoughts of killing my own child this morning, you know? He rolled his eyes at me, and if my arm had been longer, I would have poked his eyes out. That's the kind of person I am. I feel unworthy, and I feel inadequate, and that's some uh, how all y'all are feeling this morning. I mean, relate to this group of shepherds, lowest of the low, punchline of a job, uneducated, and, and so never felt like they measured up in society. I think it's, <clears throat> it's crazy how we compare ourselves to others, how inadequate we feel. Social media is not helping, I think. Maybe that's the understatement of the century. I know, I know it can even be different for different people, different ages, different genders. Maybe you're a woman this morning who walks into a friend's house and it smells like, scented candles and fresh laundry and the kids are all quietly doing their homework and their hair is nicely braided and their, for, their floor is so clean you could literally eat off it. In fact, you'd rather eat off her floor because you know what your dishes look like at home and you think, and she works as well and you feel inadequate certain gender expectations, maybe. You know, for me, I'm not handy, okay? Never have been. Whether it's home stuff or car stuff, it's, it's not my thing. 
And so we have someone who actually comes over to our home with a jack or whatever and changes our winter tires. And she is very good at it. And she does our oil as well. And when I was a kid, I worked uh, at a gas station of all things. And people would uh, come in. This was in the day when uh, it was more full service. And they'd pop their hood and ask me to check the oil. And if I could get the hood up, I would monkey around in the engine for a little bit. And then uh, after what I thought was an appropriate amount of time, I'd always say the same thing. Yeah, you're about three quarter full. I didn't even know what I was talking about. Hadn't, hadn't checked anything. Sometimes I feel inadequate about that. Dad, why can't you fix the shower? Because I suck as a father. Is that what you want me to, is that what you want me to say? Um, even worse, though, spiritually, when these shepherds compared themselves, they would have felt very inadequate. And one of the big rules was you had to keep the Sabbath, right? You had to take a day of total rest. Well, guess who couldn't take a full 24-hour rest because sheep need protection and care, and they just don't take a Sabbath with you. There would have been lots of reminders of how they didn't measure up, how they were spiritually inadequate. And sometimes we're like that. We look around at other people like they seem so close to God. You know, they've, they've got a Bible verse for everything, and they're quoting from books of the Bible that you didn't even know were books of the Bible. It's like what I call a deep cut, right? Obadiah. Is that even in the Bible? And I'll tell you something else about the shepherds. I have no doubt they would have felt very unloved. They were not trusted. Shepherds had this rep for being thieves and people of low moral character. People wanted to keep their distance from them. In fact, they were so distrusted that a shepherd at this time um, would never be allowed to give testimony in court because their testimony was not considered reliable. I'm, I'm sure they would have wanted to get married, but not too many fathers would want to bless their daughter in marrying a, someone so low on the, on the social ladder. And so they usually didn't have any hopes of a better future even. They would have felt, I, I think, incredibly unloved. And the reality is, tragically, many of y'all watching today feel that way. Um, your dad left, maybe, when you were, when you were a kid, and you're kind of wondering, uh, what's wrong with me? Why couldn't he stick around? Like, what did I do that was so wrong that he wouldn't love me? And, and there may be some of you that you're going to have Christmas this year without your spouse, because your spouse chose somebody else or just said, you know what? I don't think I love you anymore. And you're looking at yourself going, what did I do wrong? I tried, I did the best I could. And you're feeling very unloved. And some of you may even look in the mirror and you don't really like the person looking back at you. You, you don't even love yourself. And you think if I don't love me and if they don't love me, how could it be that a holy God could ever love me? 
And it's just so amazing to me to think about, you know, the differences between our perception and our reality. And this happens in church all the time. You know, perception is you looking all around. I know we can't do it right now, but um, you, you come to church, you look around, oh, he's got it all together and she's got it all together. You know, and he's more successful than I am. And they look so good and they look so happy and what a perfect family, but I'm so screwed up. They only knew how screwed up I was. And you have no idea the pain of the people sitting two rows in front of you. Unworthy, inadequate, unloved. The bottom line is religion did not work for these shepherds. It actually made them feel even more distant from God. Religion did not work for shepherds. And let me tell you something this morning, church. Um, Religion does not work for us. What, what, pastor? Are you, uh, are you saying uh, your bread and butter does not work for us? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying God did not send Jesus to bring religion into the world, but in so many ways actually to set us free from religion and to give us something better. You see, the problem with religion is religion reduces Christianity down to to rules, right? To do's and to don'ts. If I do the right thing, I'll feel better about myself. And if I don't do the wrong thing, I'll feel better about myself. And I mean, I must be a good person because I don't drink or smoke or chew or go with girls who do. and um, And so I must be okay. And if you do that bad thing, then I have the right to look down on you because now I'm holier than you are and I'm more religious than you are because I obey more rules than you do. Like, and Jesus looked at that kind of judgment and said that it makes me want to puke. Um, he said to the Pharisees, I'm translating, you know, that's the Jonathan version of the Bible. It actually says in Revelation, your sort of your lukewarmness kind of makes me want to puke. And, and he's saying to the Pharisees, you're so focused on this, on the outside. You know, how does the outside look? Does it look clean and respectable? Meanwhile, your inside, it, where it matters, it's filthy. Ugh, you've missed the entire point. So Christianity was never meant to be a religion. It was meant to be a relationship with God. That's why God sent a person. That's why God sent Jesus, his son. That's good news. That's good news. And you might still be saying, well, okay, if this is good news, if there is a savior, so what? What does this mean for me today? How does this apply to my life? And I I just want to show you in a few of the clearest verses in all of the Bible, maybe the most succinct version of the good news. Uh, And it's found in Romans 3, verse 20 to 22. Let me read it. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. You have no idea how, how good this is. Because the law simply shows us how sinful we are. But what has God done? God has now shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. Okay, so what does this mean? Verse 22, we are made right with God, not by observing the law, but by placing our faith 
in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Okay, so let me break this down. Simple as one, two, three. What's good about this good news? Well, number one, the good news is you cannot earn God's acceptance by observing the law. You cannot be good enough for God by trying to obey all the law. And and this would have been such good news for shepherds because they lived in a society where the Pharisees put pressure on them to try and obey 613 laws. Okay. As Christians, we, we had the 10 commandments, right? And then God said, let's make this easy. I'll narrow it down to two love God, love others. Let's, you know, let's really make it simple. Well, here they were trying to obey 613 laws and the, and the shepherds physically practically couldn't do it. Their occupation, you know, prohibited them from being able to obey the full law. And now the good news is you can't even do it. Even if you wanted to, even if you tried verse 20 says for no one can ever be made right with God by what? By doing what the law commands. So why do we even have the law? What's it even for? Well, according to this verse, it's to show you your need for a savior. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. Now, I just need to say this, and and this is going to bother some of you folks today. I know it is because in our culture today, one of the fundamental flaws in our thinking is so many people believe that they're actually good. Um, If I asked you like, you know, hey, how, how many of you think you're basically a good person? Probably most of you would say, yeah, like I'm generally a good person. I, I know some bad people and I'm not them. And if you compare yourself to other people, that may be true, but we're not talking about comparing ourselves to other people. We're talking about comparing ourselves to God's standard. And you know what? Since it's Christmas, I'm going to give you um, a gift right now of showing you just how bad you really are. So just play along with me at home, okay? This is the Sunday morning worship home game version. Raise your hand. How many of you ever told a lie? Okay. Okay, good. Room is filling up with hands here. But if you're at home and you're not raising your hand right now, um, you know, just because you're not at church doesn't mean you can lie about lying. Uh, Have you ever told a lie? Okay. How many of you have ever stolen something? I have. I'm, I'm embarrassed to say it wasn't last week or anything, but you know, have you ever stolen something? Okay. How about this? If you're raising your hands at home or here, don't raise your hands on this one because I don't want to stir things up that much. But Jesus said, if you look lustfully at someone you've, you've done what you've committed adultery. Okay. So if you've told a lie, help me out here. You're what? You're a liar. If you've stolen something, what are you? You're a thief. If you've looked lustfully at someone, you're what? An adulterer. So basically, we are a church full of lying, thieving adulterers. Merry Christmas. Welcome to NAC, everyone. Uh, we're not here just to make you feel good about yourself. So, okay. Why am I being such a killjoy? Because this is so important. 
until you come to grips with yourself as a sinner, you will not see the need for a savior in your life. And when you recognize that we are not good people compared to God, you will recognize, oh man, do I ever need his grace? I've said this before, but it, it is hard to talk to Canadians about salvation when they don't think that they need saving from anything. And, and when you realize that you actually need a savior, you're going to recognize something. You're going to recognize that religion cannot save you. Salvation is actually found in a person. 2000 years ago, the savior was born. He initiated, you know, he came to us. And so what's the good news? The good news is you cannot be good enough for God by observing the law. And that the purpose of the law is to show us our need for a savior. So how can we ever be made right with God? Well, number three, the good news teaches us this righteousness with God comes by faith in Christ alone. It's not Christ plus religion. It's not Christ plus church membership. It's not Christ plus volunteering Christ plus giving money. It's Christ plus nothing. It's putting our faith in Jesus alone. And this is verse 22. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes no matter who we are. And the angel appears to these shepherds, the people that religion had rejected and society had rejected. And the angel says, fear not, because today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you and for you. How are you made right with God? By faith in Christ alone. And when you place your faith in him, God no longer sees you as a sinner. He sees you with the righteousness of Christ. That's the power of the good news. So are you good enough for God on your own? No, no. But because of what the son did for you, coming to earth, tempted in every way, but sin not, becoming sin for you, dying in your place and raising to new life. Because of that, when you place your faith in him, God no longer sees your sin, but he sees the righteousness of Christ. That's why religion doesn't work, but a relationship does. You ever hear someone say something like, it's not all about you. Well, religion makes it about you, right? It's about your efforts to please God. A relationship is about God's perfect work in satisfying that debt through Jesus. You know, religion is what we do or don't do. Relationship is about what God did. You know, I, I suppose religion could be spelled D-O, do. And relationship could be spelled D-O-N-E, done. It's been done. It's been paid for. And that's a game changer. So maybe some of you today feel like how I imagine these, these shepherds would have felt. Unworthy, inadequate, unloved. But I want to say, fear not. For today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. 
And no matter how bad you've been or how bad you've messed up or how alone you feel, I'll say it again, verse 22 of Romans 3. We are made right with God, not by good works, not by religion, but by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. And that is good news. I want to I wanna pray for you today. And as we pray, wherever you're listening to this, I know there are those of you that are, are carrying a heavy weight right now. Some of you, you might have financial fears. You might have um, a heavy burden of a bad health report. Um, for some of you, there is relational tension in your marriage or with your children. Some of you, in the middle of COVID, it might be the burden of feeling very alone, very isolated, and you're afraid. And today, what I want to do is give you an opportunity to cast your cares upon God because he cares for you and because God is with you and he is for you. And we really have nothing to fear because of him. And so God, I thank you today for those who in this moment of honesty and vulnerability, I thank you that you know the details of every situation. So we just cast our cares on you. And I believe that you want to give us supernatural peace that, that goes beyond our human ability to even understand. And we thank you, God, that you have not given us a spirit of fear, but rather of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so God, by faith, we ask that you would work miraculously in, in each of those situations. I, I thank you in advance that as you do it, it's gonna bring glory to your name. And Lord, I would especially pray today for those who fear the future, for those who do not have the confidence of their eternal security in you. I, I suspect there are many who, who at least from a spiritual perspective feel unworthy, feel inadequate, feel unloved. And maybe the burden of, of wondering where they stand with you, Lord, has weighed on them for many years. They think they have to be good enough somehow to be with God. May they know the good news this morning, the God who loves them so much that the purpose of his law is to, to actually show them what they can't do on their own that they need a savior and that you love them so much that, that you would send your very son Jesus and that whoever calls on his name would be saved, would be completely changed, forgiven, made new. You are God with us. Thank you, Jesus.